Dave Meltzer here, and on this week's episode of The Playbook, I have the incredible Aubrey Marcus, not a household name, but the founder and owner of Onnit and a New York Times bestselling offer. This may be my favorite podcast ever. I hope it's not over your head because we talked about turning off emotional frustrations to create a positive release. Also about meditation and a clear mind for responsible decision making. And then finally, the force that inhibits human growth. Join me to find out all of that and more on this week's episode of The Playbook. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host and CEO of Sports One Marketing, David Meltzer. I am here with a very unique entrepreneur, Aubrey Marcus, who is the founder and CEO of Onnit, which I got to tour and is a killer. I get to see tons of businesses. Way to go. That thing is set up well. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm a huge fan, by the way, of his Aubrey Marcus podcast. So Thank you, brother. Good Appreciate to be down that. here in Austin in a San Diego-like day, so I didn't feel... Uh, yeah, right? We got a good one here for you. <laughs> got a great one. Well, I'm going to get right into it because there's a lot of philosophies that you and I share. Um, we both meditate. Mm-hmm. And I want to start there because meditation, to me, is the cornerstone of my day. It's the mm-hmm. baseline of my day. It allows me to get back to center. Explain to me why meditation, because you do several different mythologies of meditation, is so important to you. I think people have an idea about meditation, which is actually similar to their idea about fitness. People think, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for 45 minutes. I'm going to do all my fitness. I'm going to cram it in. I'm going to crush it. And that's all I got to move all day. The rest of the day, the rest of those 23 hours, I'm going to be in a bed or I'm going to be in a chair and I'm good. Well, that's not really how human beings are designed. And meditation as a practice, as well as training as a practice, it is nice to be able to focus it into a concerted effort and devote a certain amount of time. But really what I've found most valuable is taking something like meditation or taking something like movement and training and applying it universally across the day. So taking moments to get up and move the body or taking moments to find that stillness, that peace of mind, to drop those frantic thoughts into a more calm, peaceful, focused state. So I've developed a variety of techniques for on the go, as well as those deeper dives that might take you into those deeper waters to help you answer some of those um, more submerged, unresolved issues. You know, in talking about those more submerged issues, it's interesting because consciously successful entrepreneurs know what to do and how to react, meaning things go up and down. In a seasoned entrepreneur, I'm sure like you, Things happen and we, we're consciously feeling it and it could be upsetting. It could be an ego-driven thing, the need to be right, offended, separate, and fear. Some, something is misaligned with that center that we know we're at. But no matter what we know consciously, we just instantly can't turn it off. Mm. And it takes us a while to process process what, what has happened, even if we're the most enlightened entrepreneur, the highest vibrating being of all. Why do you think... We can't just con- consciously turn off that emotional frustration or anxiety or fear of loss or whatever the ego is generating within our minds. Why do you think no matter what, sometimes it's like, God, I can't wait till morning because it all be better. It's interesting because I do think that it is possible to, to reach a state of freedom where no matter what happens, where you lose something major in the business or something goes quite, you know, quote, wrong 
that you can change your frame of reference and actually not have it create an emotional response that you have to deal with. Because ultimately, organism is algorithm, right? When you actually feel an emotional trigger, you're going to have a flood of hormones and neurochemicals that are going to actually be in your body. And it's going to take you some time, and that's going to change your brainwave patterns. It's going to change the way your physiology is responding. So one of the important things you can do is start to change your physiology, give yourself a chance to get back to homeostasis. But I do believe that there is a way to change your whole paradigm, your whole framework, to recognize that everything is learning. And the deepest challenges that you face are often the deepest blessings and the biggest opportunities that you have. So it's a combination of both, recognizing what is actually going on in the body, doing the best to treat those physiological indications, as well as starting to work on those big frameworks, those core pieces of validation, that idea that I have to do, that I have to achieve, that I have to be something in order to be worthy of love, in order to be successful. So it's a combination of both, dealing with those kind of temporary issues that might be coming up and also changing your overall you know large-scale framework i agree and align with that completely although in theory right that's your potential yeah right to live in a, in a peaceful state where something occurs and we can do the, the, the interesting that you said that i've never heard i've heard you know the ego doesn't exist in the subconscious right that's why we meditate so we can try to move over to a theta vibration to a more meditative state when things aren't going as anticipated but i'm a get to and a blessing person, right? I, I look for that when things happen, but I've never thought about the physiological reaction that occurs when something happens that we're not anticipating that right. may not be in the instant what we believe to be in our best interest. Now, you and I both know, like I look at things going, it's gonna happen at the right way at the perfect time. I had an incident on Friday right before I went home and I was literally driving home going, well, I know this is gonna work out for the best for me, but I had this physical feeling how how do you because i you know i meditate and i'm sitting there going go back to center breathe right but how quickly can you dissolve the biochemistry the biochemical reaction that's occurred when something has frustrated you or created anxiety it's a combination of physiological transformation and then emotional alchemy and i think let's talk about physiological transformation there's certain things that you can do by taking conscious control of the breath, which I think are the first steps. Like everybody's heard, oh, take a deep breath, right. right? Well, taking one deep breath is a good start, but the actual scientific research shows, a study from Japan, and I talk about this in my book, it actually takes six deep breaths. The six breaths of Buddha, right? Yep, yeah. six breaths to actually start to change your physiology, start to drop your blood pressure, start to change your state of mind. So I encourage anybody listening to this now, take six deep breaths and pay attention to how you feel. Pay attention to what changes are gonna be happening physiologically because they will. Now, other ways to do it, exposure to cold. You know, you drop into a cold plunge, you take a cold shower, your physiology is gonna shift. Your norepinephrine is gonna go up, your cortisol is gonna go down. There's different techniques that you can use to actually start to change your physiology. Exercise is another great technique. Sex is another great technique. Meditation is another great, yeah, is another great technique. Being in nature will start to alter start to alter kind of the physiological responses that you have. And then there's some of the more, you know, challenging and interesting areas that are still an edge that I'm working on, which is genuine emotional alchemy. You feel anger. How do you transmute anger into gratitude faster? Right. You That's know, what I'm on. you know, and so that becomes really interesting. And the Siberian mystics actually have a practice and and 
universally practice makes the master, right? So practicing any of this will be helpful. And in, in their practice, they go from one emotion to the other, almost like a Stanislavski system method actor would, so that they can go from anger to sadness to happiness to gratitude to depression to joy to jealousy and they practice moving their emotions around to just recognize how much agency and how much control we actually have and sometimes that might mean you have to emote you have to release some of this expression and that's why i like a practice like ecstatic dance actually turning on a song moving the body expressing anything that you feel somatically to change it and alter it, that's one method. The other is as simple as choice, just really choosing which song you're gonna play, choosing which activity you're gonna do, and then choosing to reframe the way you look at it, as well as dealing with some of the physiological residue. You know what's amazing about talking with you, and I find this in a lot of athletes as well, um, I come from a family of more hyper-academic intelligence where you know the fetus isn't fully developed till after graduate school where the you know Jewish guilt was so great that you know you had to go to Harvard Penn or Columbia <laughs> but I love to meet with people like you that you know as I watch and listen to you you know over the last year I think to myself man you know I I worked so hard to do well in school and I know so many of the people who I went to undergrad and graduate school with and who my siblings went to school with and they could not draw upon the knowledge and wisdom that you have, uh, which is truly a counterintuitive thing for most people because they think, oh, you know, the guy's a gym rat, right, on its surface. But you're truly one of the deepest thinking people, and I've been blessed to be around <laughs> astronauts, and, you know, and, and I love it because there's, like, certain people, like Ray Lewis was one, you know, I'm thinking this guy is a maniac terror, but he's a deep, thoughtful, mindful yeah. person. Um, where do you think that motivation or stimuli came from because it's not in the norm in in the context it's like being ray lewis right you're in a locker room these types of conversations and analogies aren't going on the texts aren't normally available you know you can get really good at Fortnite nowadays but we're not drawing from shakespeare yeah. and, and other things where does that come from for, for you because i needed the help man because mm -hmm. you know i i think i was blessed with a brain that was you know had a lot of skills, had a lot of attributes, my ability to think about things, you know, and solve problems on a large scale. I was a philosophy major. I loved tilting my brain towards solving complicated problems, but just doing it intellectually wasn't enough. I needed to have a deeper sense of knowing what the Greeks called gnosis, which is like a, a much deeper understanding, a somatic understanding of things. That was the only way that I could actually get free, actually escape some of these prisons that my mind would put myself in. So I'd love to claim that this was some divinely inspired, service-oriented, you know, beautiful idea, like I'm going to offer this to the world, when really that's a part of it. But another part of it is that this was what I needed to do to be effective in getting myself to the place that I needed to get to. And you really have to go through it in order to have any knowledge about it. I mean, you can talk to an academic who's never eaten an avocado and be like, describe an avocado to me. 
and they could tell you about the skin and they could tell you about the nutrient compounds. I don't give a fuck what that person <laughs> says about an avocado. I want to talk to someone who eats avocados and makes guacamole and has that like, that's the person who knows what an avocado is, right? Yeah, like Goodwill Hunting. Right? Yeah, ex exactly. Is, right? What do you know? <laughs> right? You've seen the, the, the Sistine Chapel, right? Yeah, you that's, know, that's right? it. You know, or like a, like a sex expert who doesn't have sex. Right. Like, don't talk I, to me about amazed, sex. You like, got to actually do it. Would you go to a marriage expert that's been divorced five times is that good or bad I've always, because <laughs> most of them average like five divorces but they're experts at marriage i'm like wouldn't it be more logical to go to a person who's an expert in marriage that stayed married for like 67 years depends are they repressing <laughs> all of their frustration and are they repressing <laughs> everything that's going on it's really not what you do it's how and why you do it right. you know and i think or what you say it's how and why sure. you say it because I mean, at most entrepreneurs, as we know, we've all failed countless times. That doesn't mean we don't know what we're doing about entrepreneurship. It just depends on how much you can learn and what your awareness is and the reasons behind what you're doing. So neither one is both an attribute or a detriment. It just depends on their process and it depends on how they're tracking their actions. And most of us who are good at anything have screwed that thing up a lot. Yeah, that's my motto. Um, but it's amazing, right? All you need is is one big win and everybody forgets about the big losses. <laughs> that's, um, it's incredible, right? That's true. Uh, <laughs> that's why I make a lot of different investments because I can just highlight, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm, me and Meta World Peace invested into Splice. Now it's worth over $100 million. Oh, you're a genius. Yeah. Forget the other $20 million. <laughs> um, so I, I have this definition of happiness, which is the consistent, everyday, persistent enjoyment of the pursuit of my potential. And there's two words when, when I've watched your stuff and listened to you that really ring out when I listen to you and learn from you. The first is consistency because I believe that discipline and consistency is the inhibitor of human nature. It No, no matter how disciplined, like you know, I'm around the Hall of Famers, right? You know, mm -hmm. I, I market the Pro Football Hall of Fame. These are the guys who carry a spirit of excellence. And we were, you know, I'm on the board of the Rose Bowl, like the best. And all of them have trouble with discipline and consistency and we i could list out five things that everybody knows what to do like eat right stretch work out uh you know call your mother just or say thank you really simple things and tell you do it for 30 straight days they all of them don't cost anything by the way mm -hmm. they're, they're all free and yet most human beings alive can't do for 30 straight days even though they know in their mind that saying thank you every day is probably one of the best and easiest things you can do to change your life why is consistency and discipline such an inhibitor of, of human nature? It's just, we, we know it's good for us, but we can't do it. I think you're really talking about a force of, of resistance that's within us, that's without us. There's a part of us that is actually operating like a set of weights operates to the muscular system, right? There, there is a force that we're always kind of working against, and you can either resist that force itself, resist the force of resistance and overcome and push through that. Or you can just surrender and, and just bow and cow to that, to that force. And I think we're always in this dance. And, and those people who are those great athletes that struggle with this, well, they struggle with discipline in some things, but in some things they don't. In some of those hard workouts where they have to keep going and keep fighting until their lungs are screaming and their muscles hardly have enough oxygen and their lactate is through the roof and they just say, yeah, all right, give it. Give me more, bring it. Well, that type of courage is also radically unique and radically special. But maybe it's the lighter, consistent 
elements that they struggle with. And everybody has resistance in certain areas. And I think it's just recognizing like, and asking the question, being inquisitive. Huh, why is it hard for me to do that? Why is it hard for me to take a cold shower every day when I know I should? And really wondering why. Are there some parts of you that you're maybe afraid to reach your whole potential or uh, or some elements that you feel like you don't deserve fully to be happy because you're still punishing yourself for some past things that you've done or some ways that you haven't shown up for yourself or the world. So it really, it's a lot of questions that you have to ask. And I think having that process of introspection is important to unravel what are the forces that are actually causing you to bow and, and, and give in to those forces of resistance. You know, as I listen to you, uh, I study philosophy and political science and I always said to my you know, siblings were you know, strict scientists, so it was very factual and easy. And I said, the difficulty is the multivariables mm. that exist, right? If you, you couldn't call political science science because there's so many variables involved. And I think discipline and consistency, as you explain it, there's the conscious variables involved. There's a, a subconscious variable, our beliefs that we have that could be, you know, from childhood or even if you believe in past lives far beyond us. And then even unconscious competencies, uh, genetic unconscious competencies, personality traits, characteristics, obsessions and addictions or energetic ones that we're not conscious of. Right. And unconscious. We keep attracting the same people, the same resistance through that, though, there's this idea of potential. And the potential to me is my truth of whatever I'm pursuing. Mm -hmm. Potential for you, as I've heard, you know, has a, a unique per perspective, or I, I think I would say it has a unique definition of what your potential or how you perceive potential. You know, how do you perceive that? Well, I, I think you all the easy yeah, I mean, <laughs> go back to the 70 podcast. Everybody would crumble except for this guy. This is, this is awesome. Uh, this I'm like, is pulling where, deep he's stuff, the water right? where this I like to good. swim. Okay, good. <laughs> the, the potential is the full realization of who you are, what you are, and how you serve. It's the full realization of that. It's a place where you have moved beyond fear as a limiting force, a recognition of your power, which is one of the scariest things to actually recognize and realize. I talk about this a lot. Like, We will deny ourselves power when we don't fully trust ourselves to be fit to wield that power. Right, like we will not be able to pull our Excalibur, our soul's potential, our true potential. We'll not be able to pull that sword from the stone unless we know for damn sure that we're King Arthur, unless we know for damn sure that we will hold Camelot as a round table and wield that power justly. So I think our potential is far greater than we ever want to admit because we're also judging ourselves and we're holding ourselves accountable to what our potential could have been rather than looking at, wow, what is it now and what could it be? And when I do get that power, when I do have that force available to me, what will I do, if, what will I do with it? Will I just become a greedy, womanizing force of disruption in the world because of all of this wealth and influence I have? Or actually, will I dedicate myself to building something for the benefit of not only myself, but my family and the world at large? Like that's what being fit for service is all about. And I think that is what's going to cultivate our greatest potential because our great, our, our true potential is far, far higher than a lot of us are willing to admit. Or all of us, I think. All of us. Yeah. As, uh, anyway, I want to tell my mom one thing after listening to you. I, <laughs> I told you, mom, 
do not have to be doctor, lawyer, or failure because this guy knows more than all of the academics in my <laughs> very short but very educated family. Thank um, you, brother. Last question. Uh, just you blow me away. Um, I want to ask something a little bit different because, you know, I talk about what is your legacy. I want to change that around a little bit and ask you, what do you th define as legacy? Because I, I, I can imagine what your legacy will be. It will be because you are. Uh, but w what is legacy? People always look at the external things that you've created as your legacy. Oh, I built this thing. There's this school that has a brick wall that has my name on it and this plaque and this accomplishment, right? It's not about that. It's who you can become. Like who you can be is your legacy because who you can be will allow others to see what you were able to be and they, that will give them permission to be their best version of themselves. So if you can claim anything close to that 100% of your potential, that gives everyone else permission to claim 100% of their potential. Like who was Christ? Well, if you talk to a lot of the spiritual masters, Christ was just a man who claimed the potential that he had, the potential that all of us had to claim Christ consciousness in human form. So this person who had probably the grandest and greatest legacy worldwide was a man who was able to claim his potential at the fullest fruition. And that is a legacy far beyond anything else that you can build externally. Yeah, I think that defines you. You're someone who has liberated his own light to allow others to allow their light to shine. Right? That's what I'm trying for, man. Yeah, I know but you're I doing it. But I get kicked it. in the nuts a lot. Of so course, that's the resistance. Don't put me that's, on this pedestal. No, yet. no, no, no. I, because, because there's I lots be, of nut kicking that's going right. on. Right, and, and I feel the same way about myself, right? I, I get that, but I think it's, a, uh, it's important to recognize and appreciate the journey that you're on and the potential that you have and how you can articulate so well to people to motivate them and inspire them to, to shine, right? To elevate others, to elevate themselves yeah. so that you can be of service. And, you know, the way you describe things, I always tell people, you know, and you, you get this light because a lot of people kick you in the nuts. Hmm. But, you know, I've had it as far as... I mostly kick myself in the nuts. It's Because <laughs> you it's push harder. harder. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's hard in the physical I'm not as expression. I'm not as flexible. <laughs> See, that's why you got the honest side. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to go stretch <laughs> after this. But, you, you know, you, you do, though, you take things and say, you know, when people say the dumbest things like you know you st stole gratitude someone said to me at one time right and i'm i'm like really i stole that from gary v because i'm talking about gratitude but in their mind it's it's not what you say right there's i, I will say you would be deemed as a genius by a lot of people that i've talked to which is why i was inspired to come and talk to you and by listening to you but we both know the genius is coming through you but it's not what you say it's the ability to articulate it in a way that I, you know, I'm talking to people all day long. I've never heard it said that way. And I, I want you to appreciate that because that gift needs to continue to be molded because the way you describe things, it's really important because you can touch, you know, we both could say the same thing. And literally I could talk about gratitude and come <laughs> off stage and people are lined up and tell me I'm a genius because I told them to say thank you before they go to bed and when they wake up and somebody else could tell you to go thank you when you got home. And you would have that resistance, right? Sure. Because there's a higher vibration to, to what you say. And 
you know, this has been the most interesting entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur playbook I've ever had because it's a higher vibrating playbook to success than talking through how to raise money or, you know, what to do when someone says no to you or some of the, the things that we could both teach people as we walk around our businesses. So sure. I just want to recognize and thank you. Uh, because I think a lot of people are going to benefit from this playbook in a way when they tune in that they never imagined. I really appreciate that. And I, and I appreciate you as well. The reason why when you talk about gratitude, it makes such an impact is because you feel gratitude in your heart. And when you've integrated these things, you become that integrated person. So you're not talking from academia or talking, parroting some other idea, but it's something that you've brought down into your bones, into the marrow, into your soul, and you own it then it comes across a little bit different. And, you know, I hope to continue to be able to do that from my vulnerability to my successes to my failures. You know, that's the that's the real commitment to service is just uh, sharing the truth. Well, you are a legend, the philosopher, Ar Aubrey Marcus here at On It with Dave Meltzer, the Goodwill hunting version of Entrepreneurs, <laughs> The Playbook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.